Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon from July 10th, 2022 is called Green. The sermon scripture is Psalm 1, and the supplemental reading is Colossians 2, 6-15. Our worship services take place at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning at 819 John Adams Street, the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. We also offer live stream worship at facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. If you're interested in more information about our church, including how to financially support the mission and ministry of FBC, visit our website at onebaptistchurch.org. That's the numeral onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Looking around Oregon City, it is not difficult to see one color that dominates our landscape, and that is green. You can look in about any direction, and there is the deep forest green of the beautiful forests that are all around us. We are quite literally a town that has been plopped down on a and grown up a riverbank and into the hills and forests that are all around us. And even as you look up northward towards, uh, towards Portland and towards the, the Washington border, even the urban areas of our, of our area have maintained this greenness. And as it's summertime, with the bright blue, mostly cloudless skies, um, as opposed to the the gray, that green just really seems to pop. Green occurs in plants because of chlorophyll. Uh, And I know what you're thinking, chlorophyll, more like borophyll. I didn't come here for a biology lecture with him. Uh, But bear with me for a second. Because chlorophyll needs the sun And chlorophyll responds by producing food for the plants and nourishment as a result of sunlight and as a result of water. Chlorophyll, greenness, is a sign of growth. You may notice, as you look around our sanctuary, that the crosses on the the columns and the cross over here are draped in green. That's not just because uh, somebody said that green happens to be the color of the year or anything like that. Rather, green is a a historic color associated with this time of the church calendar. And this time in the church calendar is called ordinary time or common time. Think about it. We start in Advent, which is kind of four weeks before Christmas, the four Sundays before Christmas, and you have Advent, and then you have Christmas, and then you have uh, Epiphany, and then you have Lent, and you have Easter, and you have Pentecost, and then you have... What's next? Ordinary time. It's an acknowledgement that most of life is ordinary. Most of life is not the high holy days. Most of life is not the times that we gather for big meals and carry out big traditions and big, uh, big celebrations. 
most of life is ordinary. Most of life is common. It's running errands. It's vacuuming your, your carpets. It's, uh, it's pulling weeds in your garden. It's ordinary. And there's nothing wrong with ordinary. There's nothing wrong with taking time to grow into the regular rhythms of of the world that Jesus is Lord of. And so we take this time every year, and usually in more subtle ways than this, is this is the time of the year that I preach and we talk about spiritual growth, growing as followers of Jesus. But this year I just said, you know what? To heck with it. And just we're gonna we're just gonna say it, say the 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 part that we mean out loud is for the next six weeks, we're gonna be talking about the green growth of who we are as followers of Jesus. And what does it mean to grow? And I, I think there are a few places that we can start that are better than Psalm 1. Psalm 1 begins the whole book of Psalms, 150, uh, you could call them poems, you can call them songs, you can call them prayers, and they encompass the full range of human emotions from joy and happiness to fear and terror to some really brutal prayers that God would do some brutal things to enemies. And if you read through the Psalms, they're, they're not an easy read. To take them at face value, they're not an easy read. And they confound people who want to take every word of Scripture literally. Because if you want to do that, then let me guide you to Psalm 137, which ends with a prayer that God would dash Babylonian children against rocks. I saw somebody shudder just now, and that's the accurate reaction to that. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this book of Psalms that sometimes contains these things? Well, we realize that these are cries out of deep human emotion, offering these deep human feelings to the one person who can bear them, and that is God. We are giving what is deeply ourselves and offering it to God. And that's what the book of Psalms is. And we start here with this meditation on the ways of God and growth. Because on either side of this tree illustration is the encouragement to forsake the ways of the wicked and to follow the ways of the law of the Lord. Now, when the author of the psalm wrote this, <clears throat> this was after the time was written after the time that the glory of the Lord was in, in the book of Ezekiel. The glory of the Lord leads, leaves the temple. The um, the Ezekiel sees an image of the the chariot carrying uh, the presence of God away from the temple. And when that happened, the focus turned to the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
And you get Psalms like Psalm 1, you get Psalms like Psalm 119, where it is encouraging people to dig into God's word and learn God's ways through God's word. Now, interestingly, where did you go for the Torah, but you went to the gathering of God's people? You went to the temple, you went to the synagogue to learn the Torah, and it was a communal action. But then Jesus, and we had the word, and we have Jesus who is the living word, and it is by Jesus that we know the word of God. We know the word of God through Jesus because God, as Eugene Peterson's translation of the message so beautifully says in John 1.14, God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We know who God is because of Jesus. And now we read all of Scripture through the lens of Jesus. So when we come to Psalm 1, beginning the Psalms, we learn that being green means growing deeply in the ways of Jesus. How do we know what the ways of Jesus are? Well, that's what we turn, we turn to the Gospels for this. We turn to the Gospels to find out what Jesus has to say. The Gospels were written by the people who were closest to Jesus and, and who knew Jesus and walked with Jesus and prayed with Jesus and ate with Jesus and whose feet were washed by Jesus and who betrayed Jesus. And we see what Jesus has to say about how we live our ordinary human lives. We hold the people in Scripture up as examples. We look, you know, we've, we can read the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we think, wow, these are the great people of Scripture. But when Jesus runs into them, they are ordinary, common people. They're not kings and queens. They're not royalty. They're not powerful people. They're us. And when we see Jesus walking around and talking in the Gospels, he's dealing with ordinary people and instructing ordinary people on how to live an ordinary life. And so we, we read the Gospels and we read the book of Acts to find out how these ordinary people lived out the life of the church. And we read Paul's letters to find out how some of the, the complications that came up get dealt with. And we learn, to, we, we learn theology and we, we, learn, we learn how to understand the scriptures from these letters. But when it says... The joys of those who do not follow the advice of, of the wicked, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day or night. This is now a call. Now we look back and see that this is a call to meditate on Jesus day and night and to make Jesus the central focus of our lives and not to say that we have to run around being overly holy, overly pious people who, who end every sentence with, may the Lord will, or, or something along those lines. 
But it means that if we put Jesus first in our lives, if Jesus is the foundation, if Jesus is the ground that our lives are planted in, then our roots are in Jesus. And everything that grows out of us, whether it's our, our relationship with ourselves, whether it's our marriage, whether it's friendships, whether it's our parenting, whether it's how we get on at work, how we get on with other people in church, if our roots are in Jesus, everything that comes out of us is going to be rooted in Jesus. If we're constantly paying attention to this, if we're meditating on this day and night. And then the psalmist gives us the image that I've been hinting at all over the place. And now we come to squarely is the tree, the tree planted by the water. And if you, if you have been by riversides or creeksides, you see that, that trees that live by water have deep, strong roots. They go down into the deepest part of the water and they draw nutrients out of the ground and the water that seeps into the ground. And it uses that sunlight to bloom the chlorophyll so that there's food for the trees. And you get those green leaves or the green, uh, the green evergreen needles. And when we see this image, we get it. Because we need to be these trees. And we put our roots down deep into Jesus. And we don't, this isn't just a mental exercise. This is a living exercise. This isn't just reading and studying and having these thoughts in our head and that being enough. A tree only knows how to be a tree. A tree doesn't know how to be a fish. And if we, if we focus in on what does it mean to truly live as Jesus' people, then a couple things happen according to Scripture. One thing is that we bear fruit. Our lives start to bring the same life into the world that we see in Jesus. Our lives start to look like Jesus. Jesus, who sat with, with lots of people who were considered outcasts by his society. Jesus, who brought healing. Jesus, who loved people. Jesus, who, who scorned the people who should know better and welcomed the people who, who were willing to approach the kingdom. Jesus, who loved children. Jesus, who didn't seek worldly power, but instead sought to free the world through his death. That fruit gets borne out in our lives. And it looks like the new creation through the resurrection of Jesus. And it looks like the lordship of Christ through the ascension of Jesus. When Jesus, when our lives are so deeply rooted in Jesus, they start to look like Jesus. The other thing that it says 
is their leaves will never wither and they will prosper in all they do. And, and we get uncomfortable with this word prosper because it's really close to prosperity. And there's a, a, a group of, of theologians and preachers who say that, you know, oh, if you believe the right things and send us the right amount of money, that God will multiply your money many times over and you will be happy and you'll be healthy and you'll be well. And then we look at Jesus dying on the cross and, and say, well, what part of that don't you understand? But when we're talking about prospering, everything they, they do will prosper. If we are deeply rooted in Jesus, then our attempts to live the life of Jesus will prosper. Not to say that we'll have an easy time in this world, but we'll prosper as we live the life of Jesus. And in fact, we won't have an easy life in this world because there's lots of talk in Psalm 1 about the wicked. The wicked who are dispensing advice, who are mocking uh, those who are ultimately worthless chaff scattered by the wind, and, and that sounds a little brutal. And who are the wicked exactly? Well, let me give you a, a little <clears throat> synopsis of who the wicked are in Psalm chapter 1. Remember we said that the author of Psalm 1 was thinking about the Torah. The Torah, the intention of the Torah was to set aside a holy people through whom, who had values and ways that were different than the ways of the surrounding cultures, through whom the rest of the world would meet Almighty God, Yahweh. And the people in Psalm 1 who were the mockers and the scoffers were the people who just wanted to kind of live the, the life that was all around them, the, the surrounding cultures. And part of the life of the surrounding cultures involved some really horrible things. It involved human sacrifice and child sacrifice. It involved seeing people as property, pawns to the gods. And by the way, the, the kings just happened to be gods as well. So any person that the king decided was his property and his possession, they also ended up being pawns. If we're moving this to modern day and look at who the wicked were then and see who the wicked are now, the wicked now are the people who have no respect for God's creation. And by that I mean who do not respect the image of God in all of humanity and who don't respect the good earth that God created. God never revoked his blessing from creation. You are still blessed by God. The earth is still blessed by God. It is broken, it is marred by sin. But it's still good. And yet there are people who seek to destroy it. 
a few weeks ago when I was recovering from COVID, I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And because I didn't have anything else to do, I watched the longer versions of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So 12 hours altogether. And the thing that I saw over and over again is if you want to find who the bad guys are in Lord of the Rings, you look for the people who are cutting down trees. And if you want to find out who, who the bad guys are in Scripture, you look for the people who are destroying God's creation. The Torah says, don't tear up trees. The trees are your livelihood. The trees are the inheritance of your children and grandchildren. Even in the direst times, don't tear up your trees. The wicked are people who give in to the easy cynicism of our day. It's easy to be cynical right now and say there's no hope, everything is doomed, all is lost. And when you say that, you get to abscond yourself, absolve yourself of responsibility for anything that's happening. You say, oh, well, world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's just the way it is. And when you give in to that easy sort of cynicism, you make no room for hope. You make no room for the lordship of Jesus renewing and, and recreating the world that we're living in. And so when we as God's people sit with this kind of evil, sit with this kind of mockery, that conflicts directly with the life of Jesus. You can't have it both ways. You can't bear cynicism in one hand and Jesus in the other. It has disastrous consequences. And so we are encouraged to continually be rooted in Jesus. But furthermore, we're going to take the tree analogy one step further, is unlike the trees in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, trees in our world don't get up and walk around. I don't know if I would want to see that or if I would be utterly terrified uh, to wake up one morning if I'm camping and a tree's going, what are you doing here? fundamental exercise. The trees in our world are rooted into a place. They're rooted into the ground. They are part of creation. When we are rooted into a place, when we are, see ourselves as being part of the land, rather than living on the land, we are drawn to love the place where we are planted, to love the people where we are planted, and to love the creation of the place where we are planted. And by our being rooted here, by being planted here, trees along river banks stabilize erosion. And by being God's people who are deeply rooted in a place with a deep love for the land that they, are, that they are rooted in, they make the place better. 
They make the place more stable. They make the place more livable. This is our very serious gospel responsibility as followers of Jesus is to love the land and its people so much that it is better for us being here. You might ask yourself, okay, all of this is well and good, but what happens when when trouble comes? What happens when these things that, that gives people reason for cynicism happens? Or what happens when my life becomes a mess? Is everything that I'm doing prospering? That is one of the tensions of the Psalms is that there are very clearly times when not everything is working out. But the Psalm's answer to that is to cry out to God. The Psalm's answer to that is to be brutally honest with God and say, you promised, you promised, so what about these promises? And we hold in tension the promises of God with sometimes the reality that things just aren't working out. And we cry out to God, but we don't give up. We stay rooted. We keep growing our roots deep. Because when we do, when we live this verdant life, this green life, we are rooting our lives in Jesus so that we can be, so that we can be the very life of Jesus in the land where we are planted We resist the cynicism of our age and we become part of God's renewing and recreating work to make all things new. This is what it means to be green. This is what it means to grow. Because as we root ourselves down, our branches grow out and we grow in Jesus and we grow in the ways of God, and we become a testament to God's work in our land.